Well, thanks for joining me on the Two Age Sojourner podcast today. Uh, we're talking about bio, world, and passion. Um, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, stay with me. I'll explain. All right. So bio, as in biography, uh, world as in context around us and passion, as in what makes me tick. Yes, yours truly. Um, I'll tell you what I'm doing. As some of you know, I am uh, currently pursuing a PhD through the South African Theological Seminary, uh, the place where I started off with my studies uh, back in the day and uh, have returned. Um, I'm from South Africa and uh, so know the seminary well, uh, love what they're about. And so I've returned to do a PhD there and um, I'm in the beginning phases um, and trying to um, just get everything together, I suppose you could say, um, to start writing this thing uh, eventually. But um, one of the things we have to do for this course is put together a bit of a personal profile. And uh, Dr. Falconer has asked us to do it in in a creative way, just anything aside a normal essay. I suppose we'll be writing enough of those. Um, but I thought, let me leverage that. This is something that uh, the years of this podcast might be interested in hearing just because, um, uh, well, it's my podcast. So, you know, maybe it's some good background information for you. And uh, it does maybe offer some insight as to what makes me tick and uh, and even is relevant in that much of what we cover on the podcast is really uh, directly aligned with where I hope to go with my PhD dissertation. So uh, all that to say, um, I'm going to move through the questions that are uh, posed and, um, and, and just try and offer you a bit of an insight and um, hopefully provide uh, the requirements for this first assignment as well. The first question is this, describe what ministry you're involved in or uh, would like to be involved in. Well, of course, um, as you guys know, I am uh, currently a pastor. I've been so for uh, a number of years. Uh, we came over from South Africa to uh, plant the church in Wellington, New Zealand uh, in 2004, 2005, somewhere around there. And um, we, are, uh, we were sent as a uh, part of a church network, uh, Church of the Nations, that eventually um, moved us uh, to plug in to local networks on the ground in New Zealand. And that all started this process for us, which I'll say a bit more about uh, in a second or two concerning our theological evolution, you might call it, or just a maturity, probably a better word, um, that eventually led, led us to join the Fellowship of Reformed Baptists in New Zealand. And um, our desire has never really changed in terms of uh, being a church plant, wanting to see more churches planted. Uh, that's something that's been a constant for us from the very beginning. And so for that reason, we joined Acts 29 as well, which is a church planting network. Um, you can get some more information about those two things at um, www.rbc.org.nz. That's for the Reformed Baptists. It is the oldest website on the internet. Um, quite a quite a relic in many in many senses so appreciate that experience and then uh the opposite is true of x29 uh very cutting edge very uh, media savvy and um and that's at x29.com so i've served as the lead pastor of gracenet since 2007 taking over from greg heasley and um i have uh taken over uh, or at least been part of and headed up a the ministry training program for the reformed baptist churches um and uh i've been the regional director of 
Max 29 since, or in New Zealand at least, since, because uh, uh, Matt Chandler would be the true regional director, uh, but X29 in, uh, in New Zealand um, since about 2015, I would say. Um, and so that's a little bit about uh, the ministry I'm involved with and uh, have become involved with. The second question is, uh, how would you describe your faith as a Christian? So continuing on with my self-interview, uh, very self-indulgently, um, I would describe my faith uh, as a Christian uh, in terms of a, a narrative, in terms of a story. Uh, I am evangelical to the core. I, uh, I do believe that there was a moment at which I was converted. I think for me, it was a very, very apparent. Um, when I think of my Christian journey, I really can't help but uh, remember that old hymn, Abide With Me. Uh, you might have heard it. William Monk wrote that, I believe. Uh, he writes, Thou on my head in early youth did smile, though rebellious and perverse meanwhile. Thou hast not left me, though I oft left thee. Unto the close, Lord, abide with me. It's a song we often sing at church, and um, I just I feel like that is really a good description of my own story. Uh, I was perverse. I was rebellious. Uh, God, on the other hand, uh, has been unfathomably faithful and kind to me. And, and, you know, and the Bible tells me that God has smiled upon me even before I was born. Um, Psalm 139, uh, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Um, Hebrews 13 verse 5. But, you know, none of this says anything about me. The point here is that uh, I've come to understand this to see, refer to the glory of God and, and, and his love for me. It's all about him. Um, it says everything about God. I'm just a great sinner, and Christ is my great Savior, as John Newton put it. Uh, God had given me everything growing up. Um, I did have everything. I came from a loving family, obviously born and raised in South Africa. Good upbringing, great friends, excellent education, all of that. Um, but, you know, instead of thanking God from those earliest years of my waking consciousness, um, really, as soon as I was able, I started moving away from him. That's the tragedy. And I think that's all of our story to some degree. But um, unless, of course, we're converted earlier on. But but for me, it was certainly the, the situation that I just moved in that in that uh, that train of thinking and way of living that put God absolutely lost in my life. It led to a life of real sin. Um, growing up high school, I embraced all the high school folly and um, and then getting out of school. I mean, wow, it just went from bad to worse. Um, and um, I have written a little bit about it on the Gospel Coalition. So if you did want to go check that out, if you write How Not to Plant a Church, uh, Michael Beck, you'll get you'll get some more of that story. Um, and even there, I've tried to be brief because I don't want to glorify evil in that regard. But, um, I, you know, right in the, in the thick of it, uh, when I was heading in a completely different direction, just totally involved with all sorts of uh, wickedness, um, God's word thundered in my soul. Essentially, there was a moment that I was exposed to the preaching of God's word. Um, and through that preaching, I was convicted that the wrath of God would fall upon me for that sin. Uh, it struck me to the core of my being. I remember thinking about death for the first time. Uh, seriously, um, I agreed with the verdict. Amazingly, I deserved to die. I just saw my sin. But in that same hour, in that same sermon, uh, God showed me that He was willing to rescue me from this fate. Uh, he told me that He had, 
he had come to save in Jesus Christ. And so I began to read the Bible. Um, I trusted in him and uh, so began my new life with a clean heart. And um, and while remaining sin, and of course, sin will remain all the way through to glory, but while sin remains, uh, there has been a distinct newness about my life uh, from that moment on. And so uh, from that very point, I mean, I was baptized, connected to the church. I, I just felt that I completely needed to respond with my whole life to Christ uh, from that point. I mean, he had saved me from certain death. I was on my way to hospital um, for just all sorts of problems, physically from drugs. And and um, it just it just from that point onwards, I felt like if, if, if Christ had saved me, then uh, really everything needed to be his. I very soon afterwards uh, met my wife. She was converted too. I met her in a nightclub. Uh, she was converted. We got married. Uh, we both felt that whatever needed to happen needed to happen for Christ's glory, whatever he would use us in. So I enrolled in seminary uh, pretty soon afterwards. And uh, just before the completion of that degree, um, uh, I think I get the time right there, uh, the timeline at least, I was sent uh, as part of a team to plant a church in New Zealand. And after four years, I was ordained uh, to pastoral ministry and soon installed as the preaching pastor. That was by 2007. So that sort of leads into some of my reasons for studying theology, which is another question. That's how I regard my Christian faith. Uh, what are my reasons for studying theology? Um, in thinking about my conversion, um, really, I, f I felt, I felt the, n not just that some sentimental thing had taken place, but I felt the power of God's speech through his word being preached. And, um, and that led me to a solid conviction over the inerrancy and power and inspiration of scripture. Uh, I, I felt, I felt that firsthand just reading through his word changed my life. Hearing his word preached changed my life. And I think probably that, got me, I mean, later on, I was able to articulate it through the Reformed uh, Helvetic confession, uh, confession, the preaching of the Word of God is the Word of God. Oh, sorry, the second Helvetic confession. Um, I, I would um, I would agree with that. I think I've, I've experienced that. And that led me to want to study theology, to preach theology, to, to have that, um, to be part of what God was doing through his preached Word. Um, and through ministry. Um, and I uh, wanted to I felt just called to that. There's really no other way to to uh, talk about it. I felt that I was wasting time unless I had, you know, for the remaining part of my life, I had just dedicated myself to that. Um, the next question has to do with the sense of identity. Uh, what is your sense of identity? An important question. Obviously, um, hopefully it would be uh, obvious at this point that uh, my sense of identity is rooted in the gospel and Christ. But, you know, as listeners of this podcast will at this point know, and uh, this is really why the podcast is so named, Two Age Sojourner, I, I do understand that the Christian life is really um, is framed in such a way that we are to consider our identity as sojourners and exiles in this world, journeying through this world. We should read through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and, and, and resonate with that patriarchal sojourn. Um, moreover, I think we should, uh, we should remind ourselves through that image uh, that this world is not our home. Ultimately, the, the, 
the, the Christian life is a journey at this point. Uh, the destination is yet to come. We might foretaste it, but at this at this moment, it is primarily a pilgrimage. Um, and this means that while heaven is the goal, um, there is also a legitimacy in the journey itself. There is something about the journey that God has ordained. We don't just become Christians and go straight to heaven. There is something important about the journey that we need to be comfortable with and explore. Um, and for for that, I feel uh, there is uh, just a real reason to tuck into this theology of sojourn, uh, which is something that uh, I'm deeply passionate about, stemming from biblical theology. Um the point is now for the church to hide away. I think this really does wrap into mission and um, two kingdoms and uh, cultural engagement and all these areas. Uh, the point of the church is not to simply hide away until the destination is reached. Rather, uh, we're a sojourning people called to live and obey uh, this mission that God has given in the world uh, as we sojourn. So it's not just sojourn, but a sojourning mission. Um uh, there is that dimension to it as well. Uh, God himself has created this realm of common grace, this universal stage uh, upon which redemption is played out, but also upon which the sojourn now and the mission plays out. And um, I think that's very, very important in terms of understanding um, one's identity in the world. But moving on to the next question, what stories can you tell about yourself that will be most revealing about your life and passion? Well, I've already mentioned some of it, um, and maybe uh, just to double up on another question here, where does your study of theology fit into your life story? Um, I think one of the big stories that I tell that helps, hopefully helps people to understand where I'm coming from, uh, in, in terms of a love for theology, I've already given a sense of context in terms of coming uh, into the Christian life, but you know, moving on from that point, I mean, I was in this church wanting to study theology, wanting to um, go into ministry. It was a large, charismatic church uh, that placed a strong premium on stage personality and giftedness. Unfortunately, uh, they really didn't place that premium on theological training. And so I appreciated their zeal. I appreciate uh, looking back that they were so, I mean, we were planted out from that church as part of this greater ethos to release people and plant and move on. But um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we, we probably went into this plant too soon. Uh, we weren't ready. We hadn't been trained enough. And um, I think that started to show itself um, when we when we planted the church, I mean, we we shot up pretty quickly. We grew very quickly, but as soon as we had to actually engage in the task of preaching, and you know, long-standing um, expositional ministry, which thankfully we did want to do, um, we found ourselves ill-equipped for that task, and um, we found ourselves chopping and changing and not understanding the system through which we approached the Bible. We weren't self-aware enough theologically to, to know where we differed from our own positions, um, you know, even within the team uh, that was preaching and even within the individual, there'd be a chopping and changing and just accepting of this idea and that idea. And so uh, people started to sense that. And um, as we moved more, more and more towards a reformed approach, the church basically uh, collapsed in on itself and had to be replanted pretty much. But um, it, in that replanting, it was, uh, it was, it, we, we were solid. And um, it, now we understand 
understood that theology was important. Uh, we understood the threads of the Bible were all connected. You can't just tug at one thread of the tapestry and expect that it won't um, it won't uh, affect the, the the greater picture of that tapestry. So uh, we, we we I think that's just good introduction and context for me to, for, for a story essentially to understand why I care about theology so much. I've seen what a failure. Um, to engage in theology will lead to in a church plant. One of my big passions is to teach theology to those going into church planting, make sure that they're uh, well-rounded to, to, to future ministers. Uh, this is something I care deeply about so that they don't have to go through the trauma of that which we went through um, and so that they're able immediately up front to see the value of uh, of. of of not just systematic theology, but but a biblico systematic theology. In other words, moving, uh, making sure that we're grounding our doctrine in not merely uh, a historical grammatical exegesis, but a good understanding of of the greater canonical whole and the flow of redemptive history. Uh, those those are some things that um, I feel very very strongly about. And that brings the first part of this, uh, shall we say, self-interview um, to a close, talking about my biography. Uh, we'll come back to some of my passions later on. But uh, in the uh, second part, uh, the concern is to do with context and the world. So uh, bio, world, and passion. We're on the world part. And uh, one of the questions here is, how do you understand your context? That is the social, political, economic, and cultural features um, that affect the world you live in. Um, and so, uh, and maybe an, a related question there is, how do you relate to people in your particular context, which are uh, both great questions, uh, and they deserve uh, good answers. The um, I'll make a few points. People who are born and raised in New Zealand are certainly influenced by, as everyone, but they have some very prominent cultural, philosophical, and, the and really theological ideas at the end of the day. Um, an important cultural value that I've noticed without a doubt is uh, in New Zealand is that of fairness and equality. Um, this is something that just stands out and I think uh, forms a unifying theme. New Zealanders are proud to be among the only of the British colonies that did not fall prey to racial discrimination um, against indigenous peoples and you just think how ubiquitous that was at the time of colonial expansion and um, and yet they they somehow managed I mean it's so different so different to South Africa in that regard or the US but uh, you see from the beginning then is this idea of fairness and equalities the, the the same cutting edge sense of fairness also led to New Zealand being the first country in the world to give women the right to vote which is amazing. Um, and so even at the, the legislative level of parliament, I, I would say it's a fair statement to say that most parties of New Zealand government would lean in favor of a socialist, a socialist ide ideology. Um, all, again, expressions of this common cultural value, fairness and equality. Um, and so that's something worth saying. But beyond that uh, is this major philosophical influence amongst New Zealand uh, New Zealanders, um, and that is the philosophical uh, influence of postmodernism. Um, I think uh, the whole world has been hit by postmodernism, but but in New Zealand you have it uh, profoundly shaping the way that people think. Universities. Um, 
specifically in the realm of the humanities and social sciences, have uh, truly long since abandoned the idea of absolute truth. Uh, the negative implication of this, in connection with the prevailing relativism, um, is just the lack of meaning that accompanies um, life. Postmodernism often gives way to a kind of existential nihilism, you might say. Um, and in this regard, I think uh, New Zealand is one of the highest, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken on this, I think it has one of the highest suicide rates in the world. Um, even though it's a first world country and really has a relatively safe environment and uh, offers a comfortable life for its citizens, you have this high suicide rate, which is interesting. And I think that the culprit behind that problem is an overpowering postmodern evolutionary thinking. Uh, it's the reality that people have no sense of true meaning or identity or hope. Um, and, and this affects more than personal identity and meaning. It affects morality. Uh, meaning is grasped for. Existentialism is really all you have. Uh, in this, there's another irony, I think. The worldview of the people does not allow for a sure basis for their desired fairness and equality, which is the main thing about the worldview. Um, they care a lot about fairness and equality, as I said in the beginning, and yet um, they're their uh, postmodern hermeneutic or understanding of of uh, truth or lack of truth and relativity is um, it really takes away from them to be able to stand up for these two uh, moral virtues. So there is a big um, and vicious circle there. And um, I think all of this needs to be taken into account in terms of understanding context in New Zealand and ministry in New Zealand. Um, and so moving on from that then, um, how do you discern or read the, the signs of the times in your society um, is the next question. And I think, you know, just not much more to say other than that it all of that same um, worldview, all of that uh, same way of thinking is, is slowly collapsing in on itself. The despair is real. Mental illness is real. Things are really getting difficult um, in, in that society itself is crumbling. I feel sometimes like a, I'm a little bit like Augustine watching Rome crumble or fall and having to uh, think about books like The City of God to try and make sense of it all. Um, I th that does feel like what we're going through right now. Um, but also the, the reality is that... Um, Christianity, even though I think it does have the solution to the problem, is becoming more and more the public enemy number one, um, just because of its stance of exclusivity, of its stance of absolute truth, uh, of its stance of, of, of claiming a certain morality, um, the, the people just, uh, you know, and if they're not going to understand and buy into Christianity, the other option is to hate it. And so persecution, I feel, is just around the corner for your average minister who would simply preach the gospel. That would be regarded as hate speech. And um, uh, even already we're seeing things like that happen. Um, what are the ministry needs of your family, congregation, and organization? Well, I think all that I've been saying really forms a, a good segue into this, because I would say more than anything else at this point, uh, we need a framework for understanding how to live faithfully as Christians in a very godless, very secular environment. Uh, this I'm thinking now of, of anything from going to public school as a child, to uh, the workplace uh, as an adult, to university as a teenager or um, young adult, um, just to 
living in the culture, engaging with it, to watching movies, just everything about living in this world is becoming very, very difficult. And um, I feel like we're at that phase, just to use that journey analogy again of the Old Testament and exiles and patriarchs, we're kind of at that point where we're going from... from um, Israel into Babylon, and we need the word of Jeremiah to tell us what to do. Uh, go in and plant plant vineyards, and uh, don't try and establish theocracy. Don't try and overtake the society. Don't try and engage in uh, radical acts of transformationalism, but rather understand the the plural, pluralistic uh, setting that we're being placed into, understand how to live faithfully, how to be salt and light, how to give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And so hence my... my um, interest in two kingdom theology and um and my desire to want to really work that out in in new zealand and its context um in terms of the authors that uh that have influenced my thinking um well this is again it just flows right i've arranged these questions to kind of work together because um i would say without a doubt um just michael horton who has uh, written extensively on um, this very issue of giving the church of, a way of, of living faithfully, um, despite uh, not being in a, um, well, in the U.S., his context would be just a Christian America. Um, he, he's concerned to give the, the church a pilgrim theology. That's it's the title of one of his books, his systematic theology for the church. And, um, and he's written books like Where in the World is the Church? Um, just trying to help Christians live in the world faithfully and to know what their mission is and to know what what salt and light in the society looks like and where uh, ideas of post-millennial transformationalism perhaps are unhelpful at this time. Um, and um, as I've been influenced by Michael Horton and his work um, and David Van Drunen, um, of course, who's very associated uh, with the Two Kingdom uh, idea, um, I have slowly worked my way into uh, thinking about uh, biblical theology and how that lends support to the two kingdom idea. Uh, Meredith Klein, um, of course, anyone who knows this uh, podcast will know that, that Meredith Klein is my dominant influence, um, his biblical theology. And uh, I really like to call it biblical systematic theology as, as shaped my understanding and provided the exegetical foundations for, um, for that, which I think is needed. Um, and so I want to look more into that. That is definitely uh, very much my my, my uh, passion at this point. Um, in terms of describing my general passions and interests, really beyond theology then, um, I, I'm interested in theological education for pastors. I, I'm interested in thinking of the pastor as the ecclesial theologian. I'm interested in um, the need for the pastor to help the church to engage with culture and to understand the Bible as the basis for their mission and for that cultural engagement. So two kingdom theology, Kuyperian theology, neo-Kuyperian, um, all is in my wheelhouse and I'm just constantly thinking through that. Um, and so that brings my self-interview to a, uh, a close. Uh, hopefully that is, uh, I've covered all those questions well. Um, happy to ask. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to shoot them my way. Um, and um, hopefully that then uh, covers the requirement for for um, my um, or, or at least my research methods class and also provides for you some insight into what makes me tick as uh, the guy who is talking to you day in and day out uh, on Two Age Sojourner. Check us out at www.twoagesojourner.com. Uh, 
We're putting out content every single day except for Sunday because that day is for church. So have a look at the website and go and download some episodes and leave us a review. Talk to you soon. Thank you.